0: Section 22 of Imaginary Conversations by Walter Savage Landor This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section 22. Lord Brooke and Sir Philip Sidney Narrator read by Michelle
1: Eaton Lord Brooke read by Marianne
2: sir philip sidney read by thomas peter
1: lord
0: brooke is less known than the personage with whom he converses and upon whose friendship he had the virtue and good sense to found his chief distinction on his monument at warwick written by himself we read that he was servant of queen elizabeth counsellor of king james and friend of sir philip sidney his style is stiff but his sentiments are sound and manly
1: i come again into the woods and unto the wilds of penhurst whither my heart and the friend of my heart have long invited me
2: welcome welcome and now greville seat yourself under this oak since if you had hungered or thirsted from your journey you would have renewed the alacrity of your old servants in the hall
1: in truth i did for no otherwise the good household would have it the birds met me first "'affrightened by the tossing up of caps, "'and by these harbingers I knew who was coming. "'When my palfrey eyed them askance for their clamorousness "'and shrank somewhat back, "'they quarrelled with him almost before they saluted me "'and asked him with many pert questions. "'What a pleasant spot, Sidney, "'you have chosen here for meditation. "'A solitude is the audience-chamber of God. "'Few days in our year are like this.' There is a fresh pleasure in every fresh posture of the limbs, in every turn the eye takes. Youth, credulous of happiness, throw down upon this turf thy wallet, stored and swollen, with morrow morns, bird eggs and bladders burst, that tires thee with its wagging to and fro. Thou too wouldst breathe more freely for it. Age who lackest heart to laugh at life's deceit? It sometimes requires a stout push, and sometimes a sudden resistance in the wisest men, not to become for a moment the most foolish. What have I done? I have fairly challenged you, so much my master.
2: You have warmed me. I must cool a little and watch my opportunity. So now, Greville, return you to your invitations, and I will clear the ground for the company." For youth, for age, and whatever comes between, With kindred and dependencies. Verily we need no tones like those in your verses. Here we have few vices, and consequently few repinings. I take especial care that my young labourers and farmers Shall never be idle, and I supply them with bows and arrows, With bows and ninepins for their Sunday evening, Lest they drink and quarrel. In church they are taught to love God, after church they are practiced to love their neighbor, for business on work days keeps them apart and scattered, and on market days they are prone to a rivalry bordering on malice as competitors for custom. Goodness does not more certainly make men happy than happiness makes them good. We must distinguish between felicity and prosperity, for prosperity leads often to ambition, and ambition to disappointment. The course is then over. THE WHEEL TURNS ROUND BUT ONCE, WHILE THE REACTION OF GOODNESS AND HAPPINESS IS perpetual.
1: YOU REASON JUSTLY, AND YOU ACT RIGHTLY. Piety, warm, soft, and passive as ether round the throne of grace, is made callous and inactive by kneeling too much. Her vitality faints under rigorous and wearisome observances. A forced match between a man and his religion sours his temper, and leaves a barren bed
2: desire of lucre the worst and most general country vice arises here from the necessity of looking to small gains it is however but the tartar that encrusts economy
1: oh that anything so monstrous should exist in this profusion and prodigality of blessings the herbs elastic with health seem to partake of sensitive and animated life and to feel under my hand the benediction i would bestow on them what a hum of satisfaction in God's creatures. How is it, Sidney? The smallest do seem the happiest.
2: Compensation for their weaknesses and their fears, compensation for the shortness of their existence. Their spirits mount upon the sunbeam above the eagle, and they have more enjoyment in their one summer than the elephant in a century.
1: Are not also the little and lowly in our species the most happy?
2: I will not willingly try nor over-curiously examine it. We, Greville, are happy in these parks and forests. We were happy in my close winter walk of Box and Loristing. In our earlier days did we not emboss our bosoms with the daffodils and shake them almost unto shedding with our transport? Ay, my friend, there is a greater difference, both in the stages of life and in the seasons of the year, than in the conditions of men. Yet the healthy pass through the seasons, from the clement to the inclement, not only unreluctantly but rejoicingly knowing that the worst will soon finish and the best begin anew and we are desirous of pushing forward into every stage of life excepting that alone which ought reasonably to allure us most as opening to us the via sacra along which we move in triumph to our eternal country we may in some measure frame our minds for the reception of happiness for more or for less we should, however, well consider to what port we are steering in search of it, and that even in the richest its quantity is but too exhaustible. There is a sickliness in the firmest of us, which induceth us to change our side, though reposing ever so softly. Yet wittingly or unwittingly we turn again soon into our old position. God hath granted unto both of us hearts easily contented, hearts fitted for every station, because fitted for every duty what appears the dullest may contribute most to our genius what is most gloomy may soften the seeds and relax the fibres of gaiety we enjoy the solemnity of the spreading oak above us perhaps we owe to it in part the mood of our minds at this instant perhaps an inanimate thing supplies me while i am speaking with whatever i possess of animation do you imagine that any contest of shepherds can afford them the same pleasure as I receive from the description of it, or that even in their loves, however innocent and faithful, they are so free from anxiety as I am while I celebrate them? The exertion of intellectual power, of fancy and imagination, keeps from us greatly more than their wretchedness, and affords us greatly more than their enjoyment. We are motes in the midst of generations— we have our sunbeams to circuit and climb look at the summits of the trees around us how they move and the loftiest the most nothing is at rest within the compass of our view except the grey moss on the park-pails let it eat away the dead oak but let it not be compared with the living one poets are in general prone to melancholy yet the most plaintive ditty hath imparted a fuller joy and of longer duration to its composer than the conquest of persia to the macedonian a bottle of wine bringeth as much pleasure as the acquisition of a kingdom and not unlike it in kind the senses in both cases are confused and perverted
1: merciful heaven and for the fruition of an hour's drunkenness from which they must awaken with heaviness pain and terror men consume a whole crop of their kind at one harvest home shame upon those light ones who carol at the feast of blood and worse upon those graver ones who nail upon their escutcheon the name of great ambition is but avarice on stilts and masked god sometimes sends a famine sometimes a pestilence and sometimes a hero for the chastisement of mankind none of them surely for our admiration only some cause like unto that which is now scattering the mental fog of the netherlands and is preparing them for the fruits of freedom can justify us in drawing the sword abroad
2: and only the accomplishment of our purpose can permit us again to sheathe it for the aggrandizement of our neighbour is not of detriment to us on the contrary if we are honest and industrious his wealth is ours we have nothing to dread while our laws are equitable and our impositions light but children fly from mothers who strip and scourge them. We are come to an age when we ought to read and speak plainly what our discretion tells us is fit. We are not to be set in a corner for mockery and derision, with our hands hanging down motionless and our pockets turned inside out. But away, away with politics. Let not this city stench infect our fresh country air.
0: End of section twenty two.